Hey everyone, this is Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, and one of the co-hosts of This Week in Marvel podcast. You're listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with Randy Cruz. Hey, welcome to another edition of the Cruise Control Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud.com. I am your host, Randy Cruz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, the letter J-C-R-U-Z. Again, you can download and subscribe to the podcast on both iTunes and SoundCloud.com. I am on the phone with Mr. Graham Matthews at WrestleRant on Twitter, feature columnist for Bleacher Report. Graham, what's up, my man? How you doing? Randy, doing great as always. Looking forward to talking about SmackDown specifically from this past week. You know, we had Clash of Champions on Sunday and Raw on Monday, but SmackDown is where it's at, dude. Dude, I can't. I can't even bring up one thing to uh, uh, from from Raw to to talk about right now. I can't bring up one thing that can last uh, to have a four minute conversation. I can't. That's the thing. I mean, I, I'm just not the type of person that will just dwell on a show and do shit all over it. So I feel like it's just better to focus on the positives. That being SmackDown, I thought SmackDown really was. I mean, not only in WWE, but I'm talking about Lucha. I watch pretty much everything. TNA is on right now. Ring of Honor, Lucha this week. I honestly will say to you, SmackDown is the best wrestling show of the week. It's just fun to watch. The two hours fly by. We got No Mercy coming up. I'm more pumped for No Mercy more than I ever was for Clash of Champions. So I can't wait for it. Yeah, I mean, I, even as the, uh, our Twitter follower at Johnny NBA said that Whatever me and you are going to talk about, it should be a SmackDown-only podcast. Raw is not worth it. So, look at that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Even the listeners are great. It's crazy. I, I mean, oh, man. I, I, again, I know Raw was going, is always going up against uh, football on Monday nights. And um, the big-time debate with Trump and Hillary, that took about 82, 83 million people who saw that live. Um, and, of course, you had the TV shows. You know, the fall season is back, but the rating for Raw went under 2. I think it's 1.7, 1.8, something like that. And, and I was telling you all fair that that rating kind of brought me back to 1996 when they were doing the whole new generation era. So it's like, I mean, I don't think it's going to be 1 point something every week. But, man, if they have to go up against stiff competition like that again, and I know SmackDown is going to go up against that too with the with the, uh, the vice presidential debate soon. So, I mean, t- to have Raw in the one point something, I mean, that hasn't been done in a very, very, very long time. No, like you said, I couldn't even tell you the last time that happened. I think it might have been – I didn't exactly catch the, the exact record of when the last time we had a rating – not low for Raw, that was in the one point somethings, but it's scary. I mean, if you look at it even compared to last year, it's lower than it's ever been in at least two decades since like the late 90s. And that's the thing. I mean, it can only go so low. It's like, how low can they go? And I feel like at this point, there really is, I don't know how worse they can get. And the program is not, it's not great, but it's not mm-hmm. awful to justify getting such low ratings. So, I mean, it's funny because I never thought I would see the day where SmackDown and Raw were doing the same literally right around the same numbers and it's getting to that point smackdown is i mean it's decreased too but not the extent that raw has um so it's getting scary for raw yeah man it it, you know what it really is when i know 
maybe they're kind of catering to their, their niche audience right now. You're the, the NXTs and then the whole indie market. But for guys like me who, who have been watching this for so long and um, maybe maybe we get spoiled. Maybe we get to the point where, you know, we want them to do what they were doing back in the days. And I know we're in a new time, new era. I get it. But if you you can't just rely on the wrestling from now on, on a Raw, on a SmackDown, on a pay-per-view, on a network special. You can't always rely on just the wrestling match itself. There needs to be some kind of story, some kind of background, some storyline to go behind that to make people invest in what you're showing and really believe in, you know, in the whole product. Absolutely. I mean, it really goes back to what you were talking about a week or two ago about Raw not really feeling like a a consistent television show from week to week where, like, oh, wow, I need to tune in for this. It really has not felt that way in a long time. I mean, there's some good stuff. The whole show, like I said, is not atrocious. You get Kevin Owens as world champion. That's pretty good. The New Day are fun, usually. Uh, there's just a lot of the same stuff. And I don't know whether it's because we're in SmackDown hangover or uh, SummerSlam hangover mode right now. We still have feuds going on from fucking August. Like, Reigns and Rusev has been going on for at least two or three months at this point. New Day and Club seems to have finally wrapped up. Thank God. Banks and Charlotte's still going on, which it's been a good feud, but it's been going on for almost three, four months at this point. You got that going on. Uh, just a lot of feuds that just feel rehashed right now. No Triple H, which a lot of people are hoping for, which I, I was right that we did not see him on Sunday. On the, on the show, anyway. I know he's in a WWE.com exclusive thing, but, yeah, there's just not really a lot to sink your teeth into these days on Monday Night Raw or a SmackDown. I mean, I hate to compare the two, but... Smackman does a really good job about that. I mean, I both. I mean, both of us can agree that Backlash was better than Clash, right? Oh, absolutely, <clears throat> without a doubt. Okay, now Cesaro and Sheamus. What's your thoughts on them doing seven matches? One does not have a final finish. Me, I'm thinking like they might do another one um, at, at at Hell in a Cell. That that was my first initial reaction, or they might, or they they would have done the rematch again on Raw to be a match number eight. But Mick Foley Mick Foley says, you know what? I want you guys as a tag team, and this is probably the only thing I'll mention about Raw. Now they're gonna be a tag team, and we still know New Day are still the tag team champions. Um, they beat Gallows and Anderson on Clash of Champions, and they beat them again the the following night. So I don't know how much they're going to bury Gallows and Anderson because New Day keeps going over. And at this point, I have no no idea why. Um, Cesaro and Sheamus will be a, a tag team in the near future. But I got to ask you, what was your thoughts on when Mick Foley just said, listen, I'm just going to have you guys team up. And whatever you guys did, it was great. And I can't lose one of you or both of you. So I'm just going to have you put together as a, a tag team. Well, I definitely have mixed feelings. I don't want to say it's predictable, but when I saw someone predict that, I think on Sunday or Saturday someone brought up the fact that maybe we'll see them team up or something after their seventh match goes to a draw, which it did. Then it's like, oh, fuck, this is what they're going to do. And it could be a fun team. That's the thing. It has the potential to be a fun team. But the thing about it is that I don't – I want to see Cesaro on a higher level than that. I mean, we've seen him do all this stuff with – mid-card and just kind of be thrown around as just an, an, another guy in the show for so long, I'm ready for something him, for him to do something meaningful. Right. This is our, our the Sheamus tag team could be fun. They could have some really great chemistry. They're half as great as chemistry as tag team partners as they did rivals. 
it can be a great team, great, you know, fresh faces for New Day to go up against, which is cool. But I think just for right now, Cesaro should be at a main event level, which he'd probably get if he was on Smack. I don't think he's going to get that anytime soon on Raw. But the thing is, is that, I don't know. I mean, I know Daniel Bryan tweeted him. That's probably Kayfabe, obviously, if you went to SmackDown or whatever, um, which he, he does belong there. But he's not going to get above a certain level on Raw when Owens is there, Seth Rollins, Jericho, Reigns, Rusev, all these other guys. So they definitely need to switch him to a different show where he's going to actually thrive. And I guess I'd rather have him in a tag team if, they're not, if they have no plans for him as a singles guy because I'd rather get him a tag team title shot in something seemingly long-term with Sheamus and give him a one-off U.S. title match that he loses. And then it's back to the drawing board. So I guess we'll see where it goes. I'm going to be optimistic for now, but we'll see where it goes. Do you kind of think, I know we've had weird tag teams put together in the past where they, you know, we even had Mick Foley and The Rock. We've had Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels. We had Shawn Michaels and John Cena, people that don't like each other. And they're put together to make a tag team. And sometimes they do win the tag team championship. Um, with what you see on SmackDown with the unlikely tag team of Heath Slater and Rhino, do you feel like the people over at Raw are trying to create that for their brand for themselves where we have two guys who don't like each other, but if they were to be put together, they might create some magic and provide another tag team that can possibly take the New Day down in their quest to break Demolition's tag team record. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea from that respect. And, I mean, there's a lot to latch on to just in terms of what they can do with this tag team, the magic that they can create and whatever else. Like you said, Slater and Rhino are no different. I mean, they're, in a, they're a perfect example of a strange Ed Bellas tag team that thrived, and they're still thriving right now as tag team champions. Cesaro and Sheamus could be another example of that. Like I said, I just don't – I don't know. We've seen it time and time again. Sheamus I don't give a shit about anyway, so if it helps him get the more TV time, whatever. It's just Cesaro because I feel like he deserves so much more than that. So I guess we'll see where it goes with them. But, yeah, I mean, it could turn into something great, which is why I'm saying I'm remaining optimistic right now, because it could turn into something really fun, um, especially for New Day. I mean, other than Enzo and Cass, there's no one really for them to go up against. And at this point, after beating Club on Sunday, and I've bet against New Day time and time and time again for months now, where I think they're going to drop the belts, and they never do. But, um, and I'll probably bet against them again at Hell in the Cell next month. But I feel like Cesaro and Sheamus could be the team to finally beat these guys. Because beyond them, who else really is there? Unless they're going to put the belts on into a cast, and they should. But they, I don't think they will anytime soon for whatever reason. And I think Cesaro and Sheamus could be the team to do it. So I guess we'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, it could turn into something fun. I mean, we saw with Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and Kane. That was one of the best tag teams in the last five fucking years. So um, I guess we'll see where it goes. And I'm remaining optimistic for what it's worth right now. Graham, anything else on Raw before I go right to SmackDown? Am I missing something? Really, no. I mean, I thought the highlight <laughs> reel was entertaining at the end with Jericho, Owen, Ben, and Cass. Right, That was right. all right. Other than that, it wasn't really all that noteworthy. Oh, man. All right. We're uh, SmackDown, uh, Graham. <laughs> We're chatting with Graham Matthews, um, feature columnist for Bleacher Report. He's on Twitter at WrestleRant. Uh, let me see. The Usos have brand new music. Finally, they 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 do the, the hill turn a couple of weeks ago with the American Alpha. They changed the whole getup, the the outfits, and one thing that was missing was their entrance music. And it sounded like like they were still good guys playing the bad role. But now full full hit uh, hill turn, new music, new war, uh, new getup. Um, they are in full heel mode. 
what did you make of the new music and the now it completing the the Usos heel turn? I love it. I mean, the Usos are one of the best things going on SmackDown right now. Something I never thought I'd say, but yeah, like you said, really the last puzzle piece that was necessary was the music, and they finally did that on Tuesday. Some really cool music to fit their new to, to fit their new heel persona, the entrance, the look, everything about these guys. The new you know, focus on submission wrestling, everything about these guys is great. Now they just feel fresh. I mean, they've always been awesome athletes. It's never been the issue. It's always been the fact they just feel stale as month old bread. And thankfully, they finally, you know, switched it up. They went heel. They feel fresher than they have in at least three or four years. Um, and now they have a great thing going with American Alpha. They're going after the belts against Leader and Rhino and No Mercy in a few weeks. So I think it's great. I mean, the whole tag team division, I mean, again, it, it all goes back to the brand split when the draft first happened. People were saying that Raw had the better tag team division. And on paper, they did. But they have Enzo and Cass, who are apparently feeding with the Shining Stars. They have Jericho, that's not really a tag team person. It's more of an alliance. You have the New Day. Who are the New Day? We're always going to be great. You have the club. They're not doing jack shit right now. I mean, they're losers. They've lost every match they've been a part of. And the Dudley Boys left. Whereas on SmackDown, you got Slater and Rhino. You have AA. You have American Alpha. You have Usos. Rizongo, Ascension. Uh, all these other teams. Rod Villains. They're not really doing much right now. You have the Hyperos, but they still have the teams there. And they're starting to do more with each team, which is great. So again, I think, um, yeah, the Usos are really killing it right now. I'm great to see, I'm, I'm very happy to see them doing great, and they're finally, you know, reinventing their careers in a major way. But that, but that doesn't mean that they're gonna take the the, the titles off of, of Rhino and Slater at No Mercy. Do you think? They could. I mean, the best part about that match is that it could go either way. I don't think they will. I know Slater and Rhino just won them. That's not to say that they can't drop it the right the next pay per view because they very well could. Uh, just to get Slater's contract, but I hope not. I mean, there's some other feuds you can do with Slater and Rhino before they drop the belts. They can go up against God Billets or something at some point in their future, and then you could just do Usos. Like American Alpha comes out in the mercy, costing the belt. That's pretty much how I would book it. And you do that. That feud doesn't even really need the titles. So I would just do that in the near future. But, uh, I mean, if they win it, I wouldn't be pissed just because they feel fresh now. But, that's like I said, the best part about it is that it could go either way. You mentioned Vaud Villains, and they weren't even included in that eight-man tag match on SmackDown. But you, but you had the Ascension included, which I have no idea why. <laughs> the Ascension. I guess the only reason why they put them in that match was just because they lost to Slater and Rhino, I think, two weeks ago on the show. So they just felt like they were relevant. They needed partners. They just put them with them. They just put them with them. Oh, God. All right. So, yeah, um, Uso's full heel turn, um, heel turn. I love the music. Uh, what else we got here? Trying to go in some kind of order. Um, well, Becky Lynch was supposed to fight on Tuesday. She got blindsided by Alexa Bliss, who's going to challenge for the, the Women's Championship at uh, No Mercy. Um, do you like the feud going on right now with Alexa Bliss and, and Becky Lynch? Yes. I mean, I think the feud has been really, really well done so far. Uh, Alexa Bliss won the number one contenders match a few weeks ago. She got the better of Becky in that war of words last week in the contract signing, then this week laying out Becky before her match. So I think everything about this feud is great. A lot of people kind of know that you know Alexa's not going to win the belt from the get-go. She won't win it in Becky's first title defense. Maybe she, she will. I mean, she could. not saying she will, but she could. It's a possibility. You never know with this, with this company. But uh, they're making her to look strong, which is definitely important, especially if she's going to lose. They need to make her look as strong as possible. And it works with Becky. She's the ultimate underdog anyway. The fans want to rally behind her. Alexa Bliss is a documented bully from NXT. So it works on so many different levels. 
and the match itself could be really fun. So in the feud so far has been really well handled, and I continue to be really impressed with how SmackDown continues to utilize every single woman on the roster without really right. doing... I mean, like, Nikki and Carmella don't have a title at stake yet. It's, it's still been a simple and effective, fun feud to watch unfold. So again, SmackDown has been really killing Raw in every category, including how they utilize their women since they started the brand split two months ago. Every category, Bram. And I know me and you have, have <laughs> mentioned it, and fans have mentioned it too, where, you know, if you want to rewind... Uh, back to July, and they had that. They had the draft, and it was like, oh shit! Like Raw, really, they they really suckered SmackDown. They got the, all the, all the all the women. They got uh, Sasha. They got Shaw. They got Finn Balor. They got the tag team. They got New Day and Gallows. And it's like, now you you know, fast forward to to now in September, it's like, holy shit! SmackDown is kicking Raw's ass. Where every woman wrestler on SmackDown is used at at some point, one way or another. Every tag team is used one way or, or, or another. On Raw, eh, not so much, man. Not so much where it's like it's, it's, it's dominated by Charlotte, it's dominated by New Day, and everybody else falls in line. Even Sasha and Bailey, Bailey comes on board, but now she's 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 fighting jobbers. Like, you know, what the hell is that about? Like, come on, Bailey of all people is going to lose at Clash of Champions, uh, take the pinfall, and then she comes on Monday and fight a jobber. Like, that doesn't make me care about that match. And now what? Does she go uh, in some kind of feud with Dana Brooks? Sasha's going to get her rematch with Charlotte. Um, but, like, SmackDown, like you said, is really, is, is you know, is the, the balance is really on SmackDown compared to Raw. And we all thought Raw was going to be the more dominant uh, program. And that's exactly it. I mean, I said from the get-go, and people were asking me whether it was Team Raw or Team SmackDown right after the brand split, I said Team SmackDown. I believe blue, baby. I feel like from the start, yes, on paper, on the surface, it looked like Raw had the more stacked roster, and that was the case. Mm-hmm. But you had to give it more time. I said from the start that if you give them time to develop and just give them more time to kind of flesh out their roster, give them compelling stories, and just let the action speak for itself, and it's going to be the better brand in no time. That's exactly what it's done. I mean, again, from the get-go, you had AJ and Cena, Orton, and not really many other stars. But once you make people care about everyone in your roster, it's like, oh, Carmelo and Lexa, they just called them up. No one gives a shit about Eva. No one gives a crap about Naomi. Yet they all mean something. Naomi's getting a better reaction on SmackDown than half of the women on Raw. I mean, that's not really saying much, because Raw doesn't really have much of a division down there on Mondays. Mm-hmm. But, they, again, like you said, they utilize everybody. They utilize all the tag teams all the women, and again, I said from the start that if you just give them time to develop their roster, it may not be it may not be the better brand in the first week or second week, but, you know, it, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. And they figured that out quite quickly. Now that SmackDown's the better brand just because they're, they utilize, like the, the Usos heel, the, their, their slow heel turn, AJ's ascent to the top, Cena being back in the title picture, feels like everything's hitting on, you know, firing at all cylinders right now for SmackDown. Yeah, I me I even like how they're developing Carmella. I know she she's going she's mm-hmm. you know on, in in route to a feud with Nikki Bella, which might culminate at No Mercy. I don't think they they even have a match scheduled, which could be we don't know. But I like how 
you know, they, they quickly turned her heel from the whole, you know, coming down the aisle and doing this, doing that. Like, they quickly turned that shit around. And now she's going after Nikki Bella. Then I know Nikki called her the bootleg Nikki Bella. But I like how Nikki is putting herself in a position where she's helping the, the, the young talent. And the fact that this can go on for maybe another month or so. So now you have those two. You have Alexa and Becky in some sort of feud going on. You always have Natalia and Naomi roaming around. And we still don't even have Eva Marie. She hasn't fought one freaking match and people can't wait for her to come back. So now that's seven females on that on that one side roster that you can pretty much do anything with. You got four right now in two different feuds. Uh, a new entrance and everything for Naomi. Eva's going to come back soon. Natalia is always great in the ring. So for me, from the woman's standpoint on, on, on SmackDown, um, it's not like if one comes out, we're going to be like, oh, all right, so now it's time to, to change the, the, the channel. I'm going to be like, you know what, I want to see everybody wrestle. That's exactly it. I mean, again, the, the, the way they utilize everyone in the roster is amazing. Like you said, a perfect example is Carmella. Like, someone, when she first got called up, it was exciting, just because it was kind of a long time. Not really. I mean, she could have stayed down in NXT for a while, and it wouldn't matter. But people were excited to see a fresh face as part of the women's division on SmackDown. And when she first came up, no one really cared, just because they didn't really know how to respond to her. And she kind of came off like the second coming of Enzo, like a second-rate Enzo or whatever. But, again, they've really turned it around, and she feels fresh as the heel. Nikki has never really been a fan of hers, but she's really helping put you know, Carmella over in a major way by just... She's beaten Nikki on at least four different occasions over the past and showed up on the roster. So, again, I mean, I, every episode of SmackDown, it feels like there's a lack of third hour. Obviously, that's a big difference. Right. It's just the writing and the old school feel of the show, the same way the NXT kind of feels from time to time. SmackDown has really captured that, that mystique, that magic, and it, where it feels like there's no real filler. I mean, again, I mean, every once in a blue moon, you'll have a fucking cane attack the milkman or whatever that was a few weeks ago. But aside from that, I mean, it's match after segment after match after segment, maybe not necessarily in that order, but each one means something. And they're all building towards a greater purpose. And even the Bray Wyatt and Orton, which wasn't amazing, was still good. Like, even that stuff didn't feel as campy as it probably would on Raw. So, I don't know. It just feels like they're really focusing on what matters on SmackDown. It's the best the blue brand has been in at least, I don't know, seven to ten years, I'd say. I mean, it's been it's always been good, but it has yet to be great. And right now, I'm so happy people are finally starting to recognize how great SmackDown truly is. And I think one thing that, that, that needs to be pointed out that could be, a, whether a big difference or a minor difference, is the fact that you don't see Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon all the time on the main program. You, yeah, you see Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack, but you don't see Shane out there every segment, every third segment. You don't see Daniel Bryan um, in a lot of backstage vignettes or you know going to the ring and announcing different matches. You see Stephanie and Mick Foley every single everything on Raw. And it's like, all right, I get it, commissioner, GM. All right, fine. If I see you once in the beginning then I don't want to see you until the very end. Or maybe that's it. Once once a night, everything is so um, evolving around Stephanie and Mick, and now the main storyline is, did, does Stephanie know why Hunter did what he did? 
uh, on Raw a few weeks ago. But at at, at the same time, it shouldn't be a, it, it should not be around that. There there are no storylines right now currently on SmackDown that have to do anything with with Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon on Raw. The main storyline with the whole title with Kevin Owens and, and Seth Rollins has some sort of authority tie into it. And I think at some point, it's like, damn, man, can we get one storyline, one main storyline without Stephanie, a Mick, a Hunter, or any part of the authority involved? And I think you seeing them on TV every single time, four or five times a, a Monday, and not seeing Shane at all. I haven't seen Shane in about two, three weeks, maybe on Talking Smack and Daniel Bryan for, 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 for what it's worth. I think, to me, that could be a big difference. That's the biggest difference between the two shows is that Brian and Shane show up on one all the time, or they don't show up all the time, sorry, and then Stephanie trips, fall, even, uh, even though I like Foley, he shows up all the time. I mean, the sad thing is is that the program has always been centered around authority figures, if you think about it, constantly, for at least the last 15 to 16 to 17 years, ever since McMahon won heel in 97. It's always been focused on the authority figures, but it's only really now draining just because right. it's only gotten... Not worse, but it's just not... One, the mystique is gone. Like, it was cool when McMahon went heel in 97 because it was something that we had never seen before. But by 06, when he was wrestling DX, it's like, okay, we're kind of getting past this. And when they kept on doing it and doing it and doing it over the past 10 years, people just got sick of it. And now it's to a point where people just don't care. So, I mean, I love Owens, but it's like the whole title picture's revolving around... It's like Stephanie McMahon's the universal chain. Why not just put the belt on her? Because she's pretty much the, the focal point of the show. And Foley, in trips when he shows back, he's not there, but they're talking about him. And just with SmackDown, I mean, Daniel Bryan said himself, at the start of Talking Smack this week, a show I should probably watch more of, and I don't, for whatever yeah. reason, he to watch regularly. But he started off the show, he said, or Renee Young asked him, uh, why won't you on the show tonight? He said, I don't need to be on the show. I mean, the action spoke for itself. I didn't need to be out there, so why would I show up? And I'm like, Amen. Like, exactly. Like, that's, that's the perfect thing. Like, Stephanie did not need to be, she didn't need to be on the show on Monday, so why was she there? You know, it's the same exact thing. So, I don't know. I feel like SmackDown really, are, you, know, ma- you know, masters that are not having Brian and all those guys in every single segment, every single show. And they just do a really good job about them, which is another reason to watch, you know, another reason why to watch SmackDown. Yeah, real quick, like, like when you say, you know, when Daniel Bryan says that, you know, I don't have to be on the show, is that like written for him to say, or is is he going full left and say, you know what, I don't need to be on the show? Or are, are the writers, uh, you know, are there different writers for both Raw and SmackDown? And SmackDown just be like Daniel Bryan, listen, we don't need you on the show. You can do your talking smack thing and be fine. And he's like, cool. But when he goes on talking smack and says, I don't have to be on the show, like does does Stephanie and whoever. Are, are, are cool with him saying it, or is it? Do you think that he's really saying what he really, really feels on that show? That's a good question. I would not be surprised if it was unscripted, just because it seems if it is scripted, then I'd be shocked. Or I, I commend the writing team for whoever writes that show. <laughs> really naturally. better than Raw, <laughs> you know, Brian. Compared to Raw, I mean, I don't know. Just the way that they they, they speak and the way their promos come off just feels completely natural. I mean, the whole Miz thing, you can go back to that from a month ago. Was that scripted? Was it work? It doesn't matter. I mean, it was great, so it doesn't even matter. And Talking Snack is just that. I would go so far as to say probably the best WWE Network program all year. Because every week, it furthers feuds. People get more time to talk. They don't get the time to talk on SmackDown. They have that opportunity 
I'm talking smack. Everyone comes off well. They focus on what matters. It's a 20-minute post-show. It's not an hour-long pre-show. Whatever fucking reason they have that for the pay-per-views, I'll never know. Or for Raw, which I never watch. Uh, just talking smack is so simple. But, yeah, I don't know whether they script it or not. I would not be surprised if Brian they just kind of speak off the cuff. Because it feels like a show where they could just, like, okay, just go out there, just hit upon these things, and that's all that matters. The little stuff, like what Brian said at the start of the show, does not matter. So I feel like he might have just thrown that at himself. That's a good question, though. Yeah, I think how how good would it be where, hypothetically, Raw goes to two hours, and then, just like SmackDown, has its own post-show. Post but you can do the post show either on USA or the or the actual network, um, and then do it like that. Raw two hours, eight to ten, maybe ten thirty, and then you have your half hour post show. And then like, all right, fine. We're not getting three hours of wrestling. We're getting maybe two, two and a half. But now Raw can do its own post show, like SmackDown. Like just decrease the amount of hours that 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 you're trying to fill. And then now you can have your own show at the end. Like, I mean, me and you don't work for the company. We can have ideas to we're blue in the face. But if you if somehow, some way, you can have Raw on USA for two hours and a, and a half-hour post-show after that on, the, on, on USA, great. Then SmackDown can do the same thing, but their post-show would be on, 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 on the, uh, the network. So I mean that could be a, that could be a great idea, but they they want to. My thing is raw is not three hours. Raw be like three and three hours and ten minutes and three oh five. Like I really want to see an extra five minutes of <laughs> of, of raw, yeah. and then then you're gonna do a whole pre show, and then they, they do they do a pre show. Raw is three and a half hours. I don't want to see three <laughs> and a half hours of raw on a Monday. Cut it down. Two hours, do your post game after that on, on, on the network or on USA and call it a freaking day. I agree. I mean, I feel like, I mean, if you make it the same formula to SmackDown, I think that'd be great. Basically, what they do, have it be a two hour wrestling show, a half hour post show. The pre shows are, I don't, I don't care about it. I don't care about that. The pay per views, I just watch over the matches. I just turn it on mute all that, you know, half the time. I mean, I like Corey Graves. Lawler's pretty good. They all come off decently, but just it's so scripted and sanitized. No one cares. Like, a lot of that stuff just doesn't mean anything. No one gives a shit. But the thing is, is that if you do the post-show, you can react to what happened. The aftermath is great, so it makes sense. Just like they do with Talking Smack and SmackDown and whatever else. Um, but I like the idea a lot just because it solves the problem of why they have a third hour in the first place, and that's money. They make money off the third hour and all those commercials. However... If you can keep that third hour, or at least half of it, like you said, and put it on a USA Network and make money off the commercials during the post-show, right. then I think that could work. I mean, I think that'd be a great idea. Would they do it? Probably not, just because they like three hours of Raw, despite the, the, the toll it takes on the wrestlers, the creative team, pretty much everybody. Um, doesn't take a toll on McMahon's wallet, that's for sure. That's the only reason why they're doing it. Um, so, I mean, they, they created the three-hour Raws and whatever else for after the brand split died. So now that it's back, maybe they're having second thoughts because they had the whole super show shit and that whole crap started 40 years ago. And that's why they went three hours because SmackDown was pretty much irrelevant that, at that point when the brands were dead. So, again, um, I like that idea a lot. I, again, is it plausible? Can it, could it be done? Yes. Will they do it? Probably not. Um, but, again, I think it is something that would be a major, major improvement over what we have right now. Hey, Triple H or Stephanie, if you ever hear this and you take my idea, I want money for it. 
<laughs> you heard it here first. Shit, I want, I, want my, I want my money for that. Um, Again, we're chatting with Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, WrestleRant on Twitter. Uh, real quick, um, the whole Randy Orton Bray Wyatt thing is, is you know taking a little turn. I, I you know turn for the better. I think that they, they are again something you don't see on Raw. Where there's there's a storyline now. Randy Orton has to find Bray Wyatt in the hallways of the arena in in, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, Bray Wyatt playing mind games with Randy Orton, Orton playing mind games with Bray Wyatt. There is a story development. And I know Halloween is coming up, so they're probably doing an ode to, to, to Halloween coming up. So um, I like the storyline going on right now. They're both playing mind tricks um, because they did not have the match at Backlash. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to have it at No Mercy. So what's your take on the current storyline with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton? I think it's been good. It hasn't been terrible. It hasn't been great. Just kind of there. I think I'm in the mode now where I just kind of want to see the match after it was canceled at Backlash, apparently due to storyline reasons. Um, It wasn't what I thought it was where Orton wasn't cleared yet, and they had to do a whole bait and switch. They put Kane there instead. Apparently it was planned the whole time. So I don't know how how much of that I believe, but that was what I heard after we recorded the show at the Backlash or whatever. But anyway, that's, that's old news at this point. At this point... For the feud, I enjoy it. It's all right. The mic works good. Orton feels more motivated than he has in a long time. Bray Wyatt's just kind of spewing the same shit he's been talking about for years. And it means nothing uh, just because he always loses. So it always goes back to this. Because they confirm the match for the show the next day on WWE.com. Orton and Wyatt is confirmed for no mercy. But the thing, my biggest question that I'm sure many other fans and many other casual fans are asking is that how the hell is Bray Wyatt a threat to Randy Orton? If I just saw this guy lose to Keane at the last pay-per-view, and mm. Keane's not even on the show half the time, so it really makes no sense to me. So again, if the match is really good, that, that's really all that matters. I'm just kind of waiting to see what their chemistry is like in the ring. If the match sucks, then the feud probably is going to be a bust. Over the head, it has to at least help somebody. <coughs> Orton wins, whatever, and he goes to the world title picture, great, but if Wyatt wins, and he goes, you know, it's got to do something, so we'll see where it goes, but so far, so good, I'd say. Yeah, hopefully Bray Wyatt can, can, can get a victory and do something, do something with him where he's just not in the back cutting promos. I mean, he does great promo work, but my thing is, like you said, how can I be afraid of someone who just lost to Kane, a guy who's been in the company for like 17 years and now is on the back end of the uh, of his career? How can I believe a guy who is the uh, who is the eater of worlds and then cut a promo every every Tuesday and Sunday for a pay per view? And I'm like, dude. You cut the same promo every week, and I can't be afraid of you when you when you when you lose it to Kane or you're running away from Randy Orton. I like you. I like where it's going right now. I, I think they have one or two more before No Mercy if they if they are in fact going to fight at No Mercy. So um, again, I like to be optimistic when it comes to Bray Wyatt, but they just give me every reason not to be because they just they just don't follow up with him as much. For example, he he. Um, the, the tag team match they had at Battleground. They beat New Day, and it's like, all right, thanks. But then they don't have a tag team <laughs> title match. I, I thought they were going for tag team titles, but brand split happens. They don't get their, they don't get their shot at New Day, and it's like, all right, Bray, we're, gonna, we're just going to create something new for you. And they, they, have to stop, uh, they have to stop the stop and go with Bray Wyatt. If you're going to do something, go ahead, go full throttle. If not... Uh, have something for him 
so that he's a, he's not out there every every Tuesday looking like a damn fool. They're giving us false hope. Like every single time, I feel like they're going to start doing something with him. Like you said, all these start and stop pushes is, is the best way to put it. They just rip the rug right from underneath him. They don't do anything with this guy. Like again, it looked like they were setting up something big for backlash. Then he loses to Kane of all people. Like really. And like you said, every single time he's on the ascent, he's on the verge of kind of getting to that next level when they beat New Day at Battleground. Went nowhere. They dropped the feud. They dropped the feud. That was it. They didn't even go for the belts. Nothing. I was like, I'm glad they won. But it, in the end, it was meaningless. Did not help anyone pretty much involved. The feud is all right, but they won, and that was it. No title shot, no anything. The guy was left off WrestleMania. He got buried. He, he, he got buried. I hate to use the word buried, but he got verbally buried by The Rock in that segment with the whole... Eater of Hot Pockets bullshit. And then he was left off of SummerSlam. And at this point, it shocks me beyond belief that people still care about I mean, I care about Bray Wyatt, but the whole thing is the entrance is great. They still have something there if they wanted to turn him. But, I mean, it shocks me that he comes out and he still gets a reaction just because they've done everything in their power to destroy this guy. And the credibility, any, any inkling of credibility that he has left, they have pretty much destroyed in his various losses to Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, Dolph Ziggler, of all people, a few months ago on SmackDown. So, I mean, they're really doing everything they can to, to just wipe any creativity this guy has left. I would love to know what he thinks about all this. I would love to hear him talk about this when he eventually leaves WWE, whenever that might be. I hope it's not for a while. I would love to hear him speak on this gimmick and how they've pretty much ruined it since he showed up three months or three years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see where this feud goes. I would love to think that Wyatt comes out as victorious. He probably won't. Orton's going to win. Which is all right because it sets up Orton AJ for down the line, but uh, I just feel bad for Wyatt because it could it had the potential to be one of the best gimmicks that we've seen in 25 years since the Undertaker, and they've really just kind of flushed it right down the toilet. I mean, you you mentioned it uh, when he came out with the Rock. You know the poppy the pop that Bray Wyatt got for um, when he went out there and interrupted the Rock at WrestleMania was like, oh shit! Like every hundred thousand people were cheering for this guy, but you 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 can't put him over. Yeah, that's exactly it. They didn't, I don't know. It, it was just, that whole segment was a total waste. I mean, I enjoyed it at the time, but when you really think about it, it was such a waste. And I know they were kind of on the verge of pushing him as a baby face, like the next day or something, then he got hurt. Shit happens, I guess. But right. why didn't that just continue on with him as a face when he came back? They didn't. They kept him as a heel, and now no one cares again. That was really the only thing I feel like he has left that, that, that are going to make people care about Bray Wyatt, but... Yeah, the whole Rock thing, I just look back at that and think, why did they do that? Like, I like Rock, I love Bray Wyatt, but they just buried the guy. Just not the fact that Rowan lost in six seconds, the whole eater of hot pockets thing. It's just like, how does anyone see this guy as a threat at all? Like, I know we all want to see him as a champion, but he has zero credibility. He has zero big wins under his belt, and he's been here for three fucking years. So we'll see how it plays out with Orton, but I'm not all that optimistic, unfortunately. I think what's worse is the fact that Bray Wyatt on a four-and-a-half-hour WrestleMania, wasn't even on the card. Four-and-a-half-hour WrestleMania, and, and he, can't get a, he, can't, he can't get a freaking eight-minute match. Sin Cara could, apparently. Sin Cara Stardust could, apparently. But, uh, nope, nope, not, uh, not Bray Wyatt. Well, not yeah, one of the stars st- st- Stardust. Zack Ryder, Sin Cara, and Stardust in the card, unfortunately. St- Stardust, Del Rio, right back, all on the card at WrestleMania, and they're not even with the company <laughs> no more. Oh, that's exactly, and they're not even there anymore. But Bray Wyatt still is. You know, he'll do whatever they say, which is unfortunate because I feel like he has to take a stand at some point and tell this company how horribly they're utilizing him. But I don't know. That's just me. 
you mentioned Dolph Ziggler a few minutes ago. Him and The Miz had a fiery promo. Again, they always do great promo work in the ring. But now we're going to have The Miz defend the Intercontinental Championship again again to uh, Dolph Ziggler. But Dolph is putting up his career on the line at no mercy. So now you as a fan, we try, we try to think ahead. All right, now, usually when they put career matches on the line, it can go 50-50. Sometimes the guy wins, sometimes he loses. We see it before with Shawn Michaels and down the road. Um, even Triple H won a career match and he kept he kept his career going, which no shock. But do you do you actually think that Dolph Ziggler can finally get over the hump and beat the Miz and become new Intercontinental Champion, or do you do you feel like in the back of your mind this match might be the end for Dolph? With the company, I'm hearing conflicting reports. Because the last that I heard, prior to just this past week, was that Ziggler was he had resigned a year ago during the feud of the Rusev. Because I remember asking myself, why the hell did this guy resign after this just abomination of a feud with Rusev over the summer of 2015? That right. he had signed a contract until 2017, and Ziggler had gone on record confirming that, saying that he was going to wrestle for another two more years, and then he was done. So for those doing the math at home, it's only 2016. And unless they got an early out of his contract or something, or unless he was wrong or the dirt sheets were wrong at that point in time, then he's under contract until 2017. Um, I've seen some people say that. I've seen some bullshit reports, which makes me more mad than anything else, that, oh, his contract runs up and he's going to leave. I mean, I have yet to hear that from a reputable source. Mm-hmm. That's just people making up news. Like I've seen on Twitter, like, a report. Dolph Ziggler might lose at no mercy, and then they're going to bring it back and repackage it. Who the hell said that? Who, who said that? Was it Dave Meltzer? Was it Mike Johnson? Was it anyone from PW Insider or the Wrestling Observer News? No, it was from fucking some Mark in his basement with his mom. Like it, it was from some guy that just made up a rumor. So people believe it, and they take it for what it's worth. And you just If you just see a report and no source next to it, that pretty much confirms that it's bullshit. So maybe it is true, and Meltzer said something that I missed. I don't know. But as far as I know, he doesn't leave the con- his contract is not up until a year from now. Mm-hmm. So I think Ziggler wins. I think it's just to kind of play out the rumors that he might be leaving, that he's unhappy, whatever. I think he wins if he loses, and they just take him off TV to bring him back in a couple months and rehire him on Raw or something. But he's so fucking stupid. Because like you said, 50% of the time these people win these matches or they lose the matches. But 95% of the time, when they lose, they come back the next week, either on the opposite show or on the same show. Because you know they didn't actually get fired, so it's a stupid storyline. I hate all the yeah. fired things because they were back anyway. So, again, I feel like Ziggler wins this, but I'd be shocked if he actually did leave. I, mean, I know when his contract's up, he's gone. But at this point in time, I feel like he's not leaving for another year, maybe. I, from what I know, anyway, that's my own uh, my own belief. So, I think he's winning come No Mercy. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out if he does win at, at No Mercy. Okay, cool, fine. I just, you know... Don't just put the belt on him and then, like, just have him have the belt and not really have, you know, anything to look forward to. Like, do I want to see another rematch with The Miz and Dolph Ziggler? Probably not. And then what happens with The Miz? And The Miz is, the Miz is on fire right now. And, and, and then I think that that's the point where if Dolph was to beat somebody who was like, all right, this, this guy has to lose the belt. It's, it's not like New Day where he's like, all right, anybody, anybody beat the New Day and get the belts off of them. But The Miz... As a fan like me, I'm like, 
nah, I, I want Miz to have the belt because I think he's doing a, a big time service to both his character, to the show, and for the Intercontinental Championship. The Intercontinental Championship means a lot right now. And, and that, that, that hasn't been like that for so long. And it's like, all right, you take the belt off of Miz to go on Dolph Ziggler. Can Dolph Ziggler do the same thing that the Miz was doing for the Intercontinental Championship? And that's the question. I'm like, okay, Dolph, you could be champion. By all means, go ahead and do it. But are you going to have that same impact on the belt, that same fiery character attitude with the belt that the Miz was doing? Unless you, unless you change your character once you win the belt, you change upside down. Okay. But I'm trying to think, you know, think ahead of time. What do they do with both Miz and Dolph in the event Dolph wins? That's the thing. We talked about this before Backlash, too. Regardless of the fact of whether Ziggler's getting fired or he's leaving, just we'll take that out of the equation for a second. Let's assume Ziggler wins, which I think he does. But we'll say he wins on at no mercy. Who do you have him face at that point? Even if they were to turn him heel, which we've been calling for forever now, because like you said, the gimmick change has been... In, it's been desperately needed for months, if not years at this point, for this guy. But it's gotten to a point where he's pretty much faced everybody, which is why, I mean, I like Ziggler, but he's done all there is to do. He's been a world champion, U.S. champion, IC champion, tag team champion. He's done it all. So what, Mr. Money the Bank, he's done it all. And he's faced everybody, too, especially everyone on the SmackDown side. He's feeded with Cena. He's feeded with Orton. Baron Corbin. God knows how many times you saw that match. Pretty much everyone on that side of, of, of the tracks on SmackDown, he's already beaten and or feuded with, whatever. So why would I want to see it again? Um, we've already seen him and Miz done over a million times before just because, I mean, but this feed's been really good, so I can't complain. But I'm just, I don't know. You've already seen him face Ambrose, so what really else can you do with this guy, which is why I want to see him lose. Whereas with Miz, while there really isn't anyone for him to lose the title to in the near future, Exactly like you said, Randy. That's the exact reason why they should not take the title off from anytime soon because he's that good. He's you know rejuvenated his character. He's one of the best part. He's one of the best parts about SmackDown every single fucking week. That's no question about that. And as you said, something I feel like has gone unmentioned by a lot of people before you brought it up. The IC title itself feels a lot more relevant and meaningful and prestigious right. than it has in a long, long time. This is probably the most invested I've been in an IC title feud in. God knows how long, just because the title has been an afterthought for at least a decade and a half now. And Miz is bringing it to to new heights to the point where he feels like the world champion of the show. He feels like the the guy on the show next to AJ Styles, which is how it should be. So, again, I want to see Miz win if Ziggler wins. He had their chance in them as IC champion a few years ago, ironically, when he beat Miz. And it went nowhere because they didn't know how to use the guy. Miz, though, is just... He's firing on all cylinders. There's no real reason to have him drop the belt. So I hope he retains some mercy. Yeah, real quick. I thought they were probably teasing some kind of like before he said, I want to fight for the belt and put my career. Like maybe that I thought they were, you know, teasing some kind of trade or somebody might go to Raw because, we, you know, we did see Jack, Jack Swagger come to SmackDown from Raw. So maybe they Raw is owed one and maybe Dolph would have had, I'm fed up and fed up and, show up on Raw one Monday or, like, make a trade with, with him and Cesaro because, you know, Cesaro's not happy on Raw and Dolph can't beat the fucking Miz and he's he's fed up and swap both of them. Dolph is on Raw, Cesaro's on SmackDown, everybody's happy. I was thinking that but before he mentioned the whole career match, which is a lot more interesting, I would say. So, um, remains to be seen what happens between the... the between Dolph and the Miz, I think it's very entertaining TV. Miz has has been on fire 
uh, for the past few months. So um, should be very interesting match at No Mercy for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, last point I want to make out is, um, you know, John Cena with the whole AJ Styles and, you know, Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose and AJ had the one-on-one championship match. On SmackDown, AJ got the win because, you know, he went after John Cena. Cena wanted to retaliate. He got involved. Dean Ambrose hit Cena. Long long story short, AJ Styles is still your WWE champion. And then um, John Cena puts the, 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 the AA on Dean Ambrose and AJ and cuts a crazy promo on Talking Smack. And I know you, I don't know if you watch it regularly, but... Talking smack is a shit, man. I, 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 it really is, man. Miss great promo uh, before Usos great promo before, and now John Cena basically saying, you know, Dean Ambrose doesn't like John Cena. John Cena doesn't really care about Dean Ambrose, and he kept going and going and going. I'm like, I was never a big time fan of Cena, but I'm looking at the TV like John Cena. You're so fucking right, man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm believing in everything he's saying. Like John Cena, you're, you're so on point, man. Like keep talking. They gave him the microphone for like ten minutes, and he he ended talking smack, and he walked off. I'm like, wow, man, that's some powerful shit. What did you make? One, did you see the promo? And two, if you did, what did you make of John Cena going back at Dean Ambrose for Dean Ambrose making a comment and say? Cena has become a part-time wrestler. So, like I said, I don't watch the show regularly. Oh, I God. should. I don't. You should. But that said, I went out of my way to watch this week's episode because I had seen yes. something about what Cena said. I saw you tweet about it. A whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of people tweet about it. Per usual, a lot of people are always talking about talking smack. But they had Cena and Becky Lynch on. So I'm like, okay, I have to watch this week to see what Cena's got to say. Especially coming off what happened at the end of SmackDown. So I watched it. Great show overall, but Cena's promo, like you said, wow. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I'll be shunned for saying this, but Cena's been one of my favorite wrestlers of 2016. For everything that he's done during the, during the Styles feud, promo-wise, match-wise, everything this guy has done this year has helped somebody else, and even himself. Like, even last year when he was doing the whole U.S. Open, he felt fresher than he has in many, 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 many years. But that promo that he cut on Tuesday and talking smack was so right. And you said it yourself, like that one line I love. He was like, Dean Ambrose does not like John Cena. John Cena does not care about Dean Ambrose. And I almost started clapping in front of my laptop in my workplace. I'm like, you're so right. That's such a great line. And that's why I'm so looking forward to their eventual feud. That one little word of words they had a few weeks ago on SmackDown when Cena first came back, I think it might have been two weeks ago at this point, it was awesome. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't wait for Ambrose to full fledged heel for this feud to be like a thing one-on-one. I mean, the triple threat dynamic has been great, but I'm really hoping AJ retains, and I think he will, no mercy. And then we can get Ambrose and Cena one-on-one going into Survivor Series. Um, but yeah, the promo was great, and I'm really looking forward to seeing them just go one-on-one in a single feud. The Cena's been killing it. Ambrose is just so much more compelling in chase mode. And then AJ Styles is fucking AJ Styles. The guy's so phenomenal in his role right now. He's still on the bed. Another great match on SmackDown, him and Ambrose. So... Again, everything about the show is awesome, but the main event scene specifically in the last couple of weeks has been, a lot, you know, really a lot of fun to watch. Now, I like what they're doing with John Cena because, you know, John Cena has never made it out there in the public where he, he mentions he wants to break Ric Flair's record. And he's always been like that. He's always been about, well, I'm just doing this, do this, and do my job. I don't care about the records and the accolades. But now, 
you know, it is it is becoming a storyline and can become a big time storyline where John Cena just cares about breaking or t- first tying and then breaking Ric Flair's record. Where, you know, you know what he's going after, what fighters he, he you know he's going after. He, all he cares about is the world title. He's not gonna fight Bray Wyatt. He's not, he, he's not fighting Kane and Miz and Dolph Ziggler and and Corbin and Cruz. He wants the world title and will do everything he can to become a 16 and eventually a 17-time world champion. So he's always going to be in the mix. He might get knocked down, but you know he'll be back up. So obviously, I think he'll lose at no mercy. And then the storyline is, can John Cena tie the record? Can John Cena beat the record? And that's your, you have a built-in storyline right from the jump. You have you you don't have to do anything else with John Cena. Just put him in title matches, put him in number one contender matches, make him doubt himself. Like, man, can I really get it done? Um, if they can somehow get Ric Flair involved, whether he's there live watching these matches to kind of cheer John on or to kind of like John, listen, I'm the man. You can't beat my record. Kind of taunting him. I mean, there's so many avenues they can go with this storyline. And I think it starts at no mercy. They'll have him lose. I think AJ goes over. Um, he'll go out to Ambrose. Um, John Cena will go out to Ambrose and maybe do another number one contenders match uh, at Survivor Series. And then go on from there. Maybe the payoff is WrestleMania to tie the record, uh, regardless of who the champion is. But I think for the next year or so, they have a built-in storyline with John Cena, whether he's there or not, part-time, full-time. And they can just insert him into these world title matches, these number one contender matches, even the Royal Rumble. You might see John Cena in the Royal Rumble to try to um, get a, 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 a shot at the world title. So many things they can do. I hope they don't fuck it up. But him being on SmackDown makes me believe like they won't fuck it up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they will. Like you said, I feel like the fact that he's on SmackDown kind of means he might have more focus. I mean... One of the biggest positives of him, of the draft in general, was him going to SmackDown. I was so happy that he was one of the first ones selected for that brand just because we've seen him on Raw for over 10 years at this point. I was ready for something new, and he's been a great focal point of the show since he, you know, since he, since the brand split pretty much two, years, two months ago and since he came back a few weeks ago. But yeah, I mean, the writing for the show is so good, I feel like they would be, you know, asinine to have it be blown off at a, at a B-level pay-per-view such as No Mercy after only counting it for like two weeks. This needs to be a much bigger picture, and it should be WrestleMania. Like you said, it's really the only logical payoff, and I think it will be. I don't know how you get there. I don't know if you do Cena and Styles 2 or 3, whatever it might be, at WrestleMania. I don't know if you take the belt off of AJ and Taker wins it. Maybe you do Phenomenal 1 versus Phenom. I don't see that happening. And then you do Taker and Cena for the belt of Mania. I don't know. Um, I think that'd be a pretty cool direction they can go in. But uh, we're so far out, I don't know if they plan that far ahead. They should. I don't know if they will because injuries happen and shit, so who knows. But I think they should. And it would be a great, you know, angle to go, you know, to make Cena, to make people rally behind Cena and want to see him break the record. I think it's too soon to do it now and no mercy just because AJ just won the belt. Um, but it's got to happen in WrestleMania. Looking forward to seeing them, you know, follow through on that story. And I also love what Cena said, by the way, in regards to his talking SmackDown, I forgot to mention this, mm-hmm. but he said, I'm glad I was drafted to SmackDown. Because it's a land of opportunity, not only for the up-and-comers, not only for the NXT guys, not only for the rookies, but for people like me to get a shot at the world championship. Unlike on Raw, 
where the titles pretty much, you know, the, the authority, Stephanie, Mick, uh, trips, they all have a stranglehold on that universal title. Oh, so I love God. the fact that, he yeah. said that I actually have an opportunity at breaking the record on the breaking the record on SmackDown. So mm. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them follow through on his chase for the championship, you know, going through March, April, one of is. Do you think we get Ric Flair involved somehow, some way in leading up to John Cena's quest to tie the record? They should. They absolutely should. I don't think they will on Sunday. I know Lance mm-hmm. Thorne said something on Twitter a couple of days ago. He's like, they should fly in Flair to have him be there for the match in case Cena wins. I wouldn't do it then. Right, they right. would do it for Mania. Like, whoever, whether it's AJ, that'd actually be pretty cool because AJ and Flair have some history from TNA as part of Fortune. Not long, but they do have history together, so that'd be pretty cool. True. Um, but whether it's AJ or somebody else, he shouldn't. Maybe not manager, but he should be there to. Uh, to watch Cena not break the record as a heel, which would be even more funny, which would be even not funny, but it would be even more entertaining. I know he came on TV about a year ago, right after Cena lost to Rollins at SummerSlam. Because after John Stewart screwed him over, he said, you know, I don't care if he breaks my record or not. I hope he does. I was like, okay. But, <laughs> I mean, they make us forget about shit all the time. So they'll probably just forget that even happened. Uh, and they should, because Ric Flair should be a heel trying to stop Cena from getting that 16th World Championship. So there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of things they can do with this angle to make it even more fun than it already is. Bottom line is, SmackDown is better than Raw. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that there's no hope for Raw, but I'm, I'm, there is hope for me to feel like they can turn it around where make it something worth watching. And I know that the ratings have been down and, and, and shit like that, but... If they, if there is one writer that can go from SmackDown to Raw and just kind of change everything, then go ahead. By all means, do do that because there are more compelling storylines on SmackDown, more compelling matches um, on, on on SmackDown. The commentary is better on SmackDown, and for Raw, man, I mean, Raw's been going at this for since since '93, and now we're like, dude, can we get? <laughs> Can we get one interesting match where you don't have three jobber matches on one Raw? Like, like when was the last time you had three jobber matches on a three-hour Raw? Like, that, that don't make sense. Like, you have, like, 30 people on the roster. Why are you having jobber matches? Like, that don't make sense to me. And I, But I'm hoping that we're not we're not engulfed in the authority storyline. I don't, I don't... I love Hunter. Stephanie can be great in, in certain parts... Uh, Mick Foley can be great in certain parts when when they use properly, but not all the time. Don't don't always feature them. Don't always feature guys like Reigns and and Rusev and and stuff like that. Let's develop something because on on Tuesday nights they they're kicking your ass. SmackDown's kicking Raw's ass, and even though the ratings don't reflect that, more people are like, you know what? I would rather watch SmackDown than Raw because it just everything is better. Just everything about the show is just a lot easier to watch than Raw every single week. Not that I wouldn't watch Raw, because there's a lot of people on that show I do like. Obviously, I'm not going to watch Raw. I'm not not going to watch Raw. But I don't know. It's just SmackDown is just a lot more fun. And like I said earlier, just kind of after those thoughts from the start of the show, that it's just a lot easier to follow, digest, watch every single week in two hours. They utilize everybody. The storylines are great. Each division has something to offer. And no mercy. Like I said, I'm a lot more... Like when Clash of Champions came around, like, the weekend beforehand, I was like, okay, it should be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. But for no mercy, I'm like, wow, this shit needs to be here now. Like, I'm looking really forward to the show. I think it's going to be a great show. Class of Champions was like, oh, there's a favor of you on night. Cool. 
like with Clash, I'm looking like, wow, like I can't wait for this pay-per-view. So hopefully they can maintain this momentum. It's not just like a, a couple months thing. It's going to be like this. It's going to be like this, you know, here on now. And I, I assume the thing is, is that this isn't even a full roster. Like they still have Eva still got to come back. Uh, Shelton should be like this. We don't even have Shelton right now. Like when Shelton comes back in fucking, I don't know, early next year, whenever it might be, their roster is going to be stacked even more so than it already is. So there's a lot of stuff to look forward to in the coming months or so. So I'm pumped for the blue brand. Absolutely. Last question. What's your opinion so far? I know it's only been two weeks, but what's your opinion so far on how they're portraying on how raw is portraying the cruiserweight division? So far, it's been good. Um, I know there's a lot of gripes from fans with like the fan, or uh, you know, with the live crowds not really being responsive, and that's understandable. But the crowds are quiet during the matches because the casual fans, eighty percent of whom did not watch the CWC. Right. Um, I think the, the the exact stat from what I heard from someone who worked within the company was that maybe twenty percent of the fan base watches NXT. And that's probably the same thing for the CWC. I feel like there's 20% of us that watch the network all the time and shit like that. So they don't know who these characters are other than like a five-second video package. That's not really enough to make me want to boo or, you know, boo somebody or cheer somebody. So it's going to take time to establish characters for all these people. What bothered me, what bothered me more than anything was that on Monday they had Nice versus Perkins, I think. Mm -hmm. And the crowd was chanting for Savage. They were chanting for Punk. I'm like, why? That, to me, was just disrespectful and stupid. And that's just fans being idiots that ruin it for everybody else. That's why we can't have nice things. For people, yeah. for people like that, there's are stupid idiots like that. And, and, and I bet you can count on one hand how many CM Punk chants you heard on SmackDown. <laughs> exactly. None. You know, I mean, it's not like None. it's a different group of fans. It's just that they give them a show. I don't know. I mean, the, the cruiserweight matches are fine. The presentation's been good. It's just going to take time. But there's nothing to chant. You know, CM Punk for on SmackDown just because there's no filler, there's no nothing. They utilize their time well. The two hours fly by, which is still a long time. It's not an hour long show. Two hours is decent, um, but they make the time fly by where you don't have to cheer for CM Punk. You don't have to chant for Randy Savage. You don't need to because they make great use out of everybody they have in the roster. Oh man, it's crazy. Um, Graham Matthews, Wrestle Rant on Twitter, featured columnist for Bleacher Report. Always a pleasure having you on the show, my man. Absolutely, Randy. Always a blast. Looking forward to next week talking mostly about the blue brand per usual. That is the show to watch right now. Um, maybe some raw too. We'll see. But it's the preview show before No Mercy next Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, whenever we record. So looking forward to talking more about that show. But Randy, like I said, as always, dude, it's always a blast. Thanks a lot for having me on per usual. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Catch you on the road. All right.